as uh, Easter comes to a close and we move into ordinary time, the church gives us two major feasts. The Feast of the Most Holy Trinity, which was last week, and the Feast of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Jesus Christ, also commonly known as Corpus Christi. They are the two central dogmas. You can't, if you, if you can't be Catholic and not believe these. You have to believe in the Trinity to be Catholic, and you have to believe that the body and blood of Jesus Christ is present in the Eucharist. I recently read a theologian who said, if Jesus said that bread and wine are his body and his blood, who are we to say that's not true? I mean, nobody disputes the fact that Jesus healed a blind man. They weren't saying, well, that was symbolic. He symbolically healed that guy. He was blind to his sin, and he allowed him to see his sin. No! He was blind. Now he sees. Or the calming of the storm. Nobody disputes the calming of the storm. Nobody was like, oh, that was symbolic. He was calming the storms in their hearts. Actually, there are some idiots that say that, but that's not true. <clears throat> or even the resurrection. Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. But when it comes to the Eucharist, there is division in the church. Major division. I read a study that found only 27% of Catholics truly believe that the Eucharist is the body and blood of the Son of God. And people wonder why the church has lost her power. 75% of our faithful don't believe the central dogma of the church. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says the Eucharist is the source and the summit of our faith. It is important, you guys, to realize that all Christians, everywhere, without exception, held that the Eucharist was the body blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, for a thousand years. Nobody questioned it. And then for at least another 400 years, only one man dared to question it. So it wasn't like for the first 1,500 years of Christianity, there were all these diverse opinions about the Eucharist. Some thought it was blessed bread. Some thought he said it symbolically. No, and then there's these weirdos who think it's really his body and blood. No, the church as a whole for 1,500 years believed that. Everyone believed. And they believed it, they believed it, as we still do today, on Jesus' authority. He said, this is my body, this is my blood, and we say, yeah. I love Peter's answer. We don't get to hear it today, but right after this little discourse in John 6, it's when he turns to the apostles and he says, as everybody's walking away because the teaching's too hard, he says, are you going to leave too? And Peter says, where are we going to go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. What he's saying is, Jesus, I don't get it. Bread, body, wine, blood, I don't... I'm paraphrasing Peter here. <laughs> but I know you're God. And if you say that this is what it is, then I trust you. 
They didn't completely understand it, nor do we, but they trusted that if, to, if God said something, that it would be. On top of all this, the Lord gives us Eucharistic miracles. The most recent one that I've learned about, maybe you've heard about this, was in Buenos Aires, <clears throat> when Car Pope Francis, who was Archbishop Bergoglio at the time, there was a miracle, a Eucharistic miracle, where the host turned into a piece of flesh. And they took a piece of that and they sent it to a lab in New York to have it studied. But they didn't tell them where it came from. The analysis produced three facts. The first fact, this was tissue from a man's heart, specifically his left ventricle. Second, this man, when this piece of tissue was taken, was under extreme stress and pain and was more than likely suffocating to death. I don't know if you know this, but on the crucifixion, you die from asphyxiation. And third, and this troubled the doctors to a great extent, this piece of tissue came from a living human heart. And they said, they didn't know that it was the Blessed Sacrament turned into flesh. They said that he should be arrested because he obviously took this from a man who was alive and suffering. And yet, 75% of the Catholic faithful don't believe. It's real. It's so real. But you might say to me, if it's so real, Father, then why doesn't it change me more? My brother once said this. He said, you know, if that is God, as we believe, and God made the universe, when I receive that, shouldn't I, like, explode? My brother's not that smart, but... <clears throat> but if it's God, and every time we receive it, he lives in us, why aren't we all saints? I think it's for a couple of reasons. The first one, I think, is when you come forward and the priest says, body of Christ, you say, amen. Some of you say, amen. Some of you say, mm. Some say, men. I don't know why. And some people just smile at me. But you are supposed to say and enunciate, amen, which means I believe. So be it. I stake my life upon this. If it be not so, let me be dead. That is a serious answer. Do you believe to that extent? Do I believe to that extent? And not only do you say amen, so be it, that that is God, but you are saying amen, so be it, to the deposit of faith. Everything that the Catholic Church teaches, I stake my life on that. In the first reading, it says, man must live by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Every word. Those words are meant to be ours, that we live out everything that Christ has taught us all the time. Not just on Sunday mornings. Not just when it's convenient. I once heard this, not everywhere, but the boardroom, the bedroom, or when we're on vacation. So many say amen, but I'm okay with contraception. Amen, but I don't need to go to confession. Amen, 
but I'm okay with premarital sex. Amen, but I'm okay with pro-gay marriage. Amen, whatever. We're not all in. We're not all in. When we receive the Eucharist, Christ truly becomes present in our bodies. But is he truly present in your heart, in my heart? In other words, do we really love him? Do we strive to do everything in his memory? Is he always in our mind? Is everything I do done to be pleasing to the Lord? In all honesty for myself, unfortunately, there are far more, far more occasions that I would than I would like to number when I love me and my will far more than him and his will. If this transformation is to happen in our lives through the power of the Eucharist, what then is ultimately necessary? I think three things. One, we have to make the Mass and the Eucharist the priority of our lives. Two, we have to prayerfully ponder what is present in that tabernacle daily. And three, we have to do our best to put into practice the teachings of Christ and his church in their totality. For some of us, it might be the first one. Some Catholics are just not convinced that the Eucharist is more important than football, or work, or shopping, or camping, or whatever. I don't know if I told you this story. When I was at Christ the King, there was a family, and they were they would always come, and they had this little boy, and every time he'd come out, he'd like high-five, knuckles, hug, whatever. I loved seeing this kid. He was just so pumped up. He loved the faith. He loved everything. And then all of a sudden, from June, July, and August, they were gone. And in September, they came back. And I said to him, when he came out, I said, buddy, where you been? I was like, we missed you at Mass all summer. And he's like, what? Dad told me there wasn't Mass in the summer. And I, I said, really, Dad? And Dad's just, you know. But are we convinced? It's a non-negotiable. When something comes into our hearts and says, I don't want to go, you just say, shut up, I'm going. Because God calls us first and foremost to be faithful. Faithful. For others, maybe it's the third thing. Maybe that's the bigger challenge, trying to put all those practices, all those teachings into practice. But for me, maybe for the most of the Catholic faithful, I think it's the second one. That's the key. I am constantly amazed at how much noise in our lives we have. So many distractions. There is so little silence. So little time for us to ask God, what do you want from me? What can I do for you? Whenever I get into my car, there is always music on, or news. And I don't know why I listen to the news, because I just get mad. So yesterday, I got done praying through this, writing this homily. I was driving to a family's house for supper, and I had the news on. And the Lord's like, shut it off, man. Shut it off. I turned it off. It was raining. Praise God, we got some rain. And I just listened to the rain hit the windshield. That's contemplation. That's prayer. That's communion with the Lord. How often do we get that? How often do we get to ponder prayerfully the great gift of the Eucharist?
And so today, on the Feast of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ, let us recommit ourselves to great devotion to the Eucharist through daily prayer, through faithful attendance at Mass, and living the teachings of Christ, not cutting corners. There is no other way to holiness. May we never doubt the power and the beauty of the Eucharist in our lives. And may we, like those early Christians for thousands of years, believe in the Eucharist because Jesus said it was so. As St. Thomas Aquinas wrote in a hymn for this great feast day today, if Jesus, who is truth, does not speak truly, then nothing is true. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine.